it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to share today's episode with you. I had an awesome interview with Aaliyah Ray. Aaliyah is so down to earth, guys. We had a great conversation, and I really enjoyed chatting with her and learning more about her journey from becoming a makeup artist to starting her own lipstick line and really learning digital marketing. And now she has Ray of Light Digital, which is her company where she helps beautypreneurs with their digital marketing as well. And I think you're just really going to enjoy all the insights she gave. She uh, shared a lot of gems. And here's a little bit of Aaliyah's bio. Aaliyah Ray is a digital marketing strategy who specializes in sales funnels, email marketing, and Facebook, Instagram ads for beautypreneurs. She's super passionate about empowering salons, spa, and beauty studio owners to grow their businesses through smart and efficient digital marketing strategies. She's a Jersey girl with over 10 years in the beauty industry, working as a salon manager, a pro makeup artist, and e-commerce beauty brand founder. Her strategies help beauty bosses get more cheeks in their seats. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview, and here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandi Taylor, and we have an awesome guest today, Aaliyah Ray. Welcome, Aaliyah. Hi. Hi, Brandi. How are you? I'm good, good. I'm super excited to talk to you today, Aaliyah. Me too. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. No problem. Not a problem. Thanks for being on. So, Aaliyah, tell us about yourself. Tell us, you know, a little bit about how you got started, what you're doing, and just tell us a little bit about you. Okay, sure. So um, I am a digital marketing consultant, and I specialize in helping um, business uh, businesses in the beauty industry. So salon owners, spa owners, um, you know, nail salons, brows, anything beauty related, um, small business owners. Um, that's my niche. And uh, a little bit how I got started. I've been in the beauty industry for going on 10 years now. Um, I was a teacher, believe it or not. I used to teach French to little kids, super random. <laughs> um, but then I broke into the beauty business as a makeup artist. Um, so I worked for Nordstrom. That was like my first step. And I worked for different brands. I managed counters for like Clinique and Bobby Brown. And I ended up working as a traveling makeup artist um, for a lot of different brands. Um, and I did that for the bulk of my career. Of course, I freelanced and I've done weddings, done a little bit of TV um, and film here in the D.C. area. Um, and then about maybe three or four years ago, I decided to branch out and launch my own um, uh, custom lipstick brand. So I had that brand for about three years. The name of it is a uh, lip L I P P beauty. Um, I recently stopped doing that, um, because I kind of got bitten by the bug of, you know, the business of beauty more so than like working in the beauty industry. I wanted to really help people with their beauty businesses. Um, and I started researching, uh, things like digital marketing to really help my, my lipstick company at first, Brandy, um, because I found myself spending so much money, investing my money um, to really get the word out about my lipsticks. And I wasn't seeing a return on my investment. 
And that was really frustrating, which I'm sure, you know, we've all kind of been there at some point where we hire like a branding specialist and you hire a PR girl and you have all these people on the team. You spend, you spend, you spend, and then it doesn't really yield the results. I mean, you may have end up with a beautifully branded, you know, Instagram page or you might have some press mentions, but you don't really see the return on the investment, you know, and that was frustrating to me. So I started researching what else can I do? Like, what am I doing wrong? What should I be spending my marketing dollars on um, so that I can actually start making really good sales? Um, and just to give you an illustration, I mean, my lipstick brand had landed in Essence. Um, I was in the Essence blog, listed up oh, against, awesome. you know, yeah, it was super exciting, right? And they did an article about eight black-owned lipstick brands that you, sh- you have to know about. And brands like um, the Lip Bar were, were in that article and Minted Cosmetics. So that was great. It felt exciting. It was something to share with family and friends. But honestly, Brandy, I didn't see the money and the sales kind of flow to me after being in that, you know, and that was like a hard reality for me because I felt like if I can just make it into an essence or, you know, make it in a major publication, then, then the business will take off, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it didn't really work like that. And so I felt like, you know, it was a little bit discouraging, but it really was uh, a push for me to figure out what else I should be doing because clearly, you know, money spent on PR it's great. It's, it's, it feels good. And it's definitely a part of the, the whole picture, a part of the puzzle, but it can't be everything, you know? So I absolutely get it. Um, yeah, I want to dive in a little bit there. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Because so, you know, after being a teacher, how did, first of all, tell me how you stumbled upon this industry first. And then we'll go <laughs> so random. So Broke up with an ex-fiance in New Jersey where I was living and teaching. Needed to just get away. You know, we've all been there. Just really needed a whole new scenery. And I had some girlfriends, best friends, two of them, both married. They lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. And since I was a teacher, I had, you know, the summer off. So I told my family, told my friends in Jersey, I said, you know, I'm going to go down to Charlotte. And I'm going to spend the summer down there. I'm going to stay with one of my girlfriends for a couple of weeks, another one for a couple of weeks. And, you know, I might not come back because I just wanted to change, you know. And I, I had saved money and I paid off a lot of debt. And so I was able to live a little bit more simpler, you know, at that time. And so I said, I'm going to try to find a job. You know, it's, it's not going to be a teacher job. I, I don't even know if I want to teach anymore. You know, that's I was like on some new, new, like I wanted a whole new life, you know. And um, I'm going to try to find a job. And if I find one, I told, you know, I said a prayer and I said to God, if I find a job in two weeks, then I know that I'm meant to stay here. You know, and I thought that was a short enough time span that, you know, it would really be a sign if I found a job that quickly, you know. So the job that I ended up finding, I always thought that it would be really cool to work as a front desk person at a salon. And, you know, I just thought it was like a cute job. You know, it looked fun and, you know. It just looked like a fun job to me. And so I found a job working at one of the biggest salons um, in downtown Charlotte, North Carolina. And I found that job in just a couple of days down there. And the pay was decent enough that I could afford to live. And, you know, it was the beauty industry. It was hair salon, you know. Um, and so I took the job. I called family and friend. And I was like, yeah, I'm not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> and that was really the start of the beauty 
you know, beauty for me. You know, I always liked it. I liked uh, things like that, but I never, ever, ever thought about a career in the beauty industry. Um, and so what I did is I worked my way up at that salon from just front desk girl to being like assistant manager of the, the whole salon. And I liked that, you know, but it wasn't paying me really for all the work I was doing. And the benefits weren't good. I don't even know that I had health benefits. And so one of my customers, um, I was talking to her one day, one of the clients at the salon, and she said, you know, girls at Nordstrom, you know, um, they make more money than probably you're making and they have benefits. And I said, really? You know, so I had done a little bit of makeup because one of the duties at the salon was when you checked out a customer, you had to touch up their makeup, a little bit of blush, you know, maybe a new lipstick color. It was oh, a wow, beta really? At the reception, uh -huh. you had to touch Yeah, them. at the reception. Yes, girl. It was a, like a high-end, you know, situation. So they were paying for this service. Okay. So I had to know how to, and then plus they wanted you to sell. It was an Aveda salon. So they wanted you to sell the Aveda makeup. And you can only sell makeup by putting it on people, you know. So I had gotten my feet wet a tiny bit with, you know, applying makeup to someone. Definitely was not a makeup artist at that point, but I had just kind of, you know, was getting a feel of it. So when I went to apply at Nordstrom, I told them about that experience. And, you know, I didn't really have makeup artistry experience. That was all I had done. But then my manager at the time liked me and she said, you know, I'm going to coach you. I'm going to develop you and we'll teach you how to do makeup. And that's honestly how I learned. You know, um, back at that time, it's not the same now because budgets have been slashed, but uh, brands like Bobby Brown and even Clinique and YSL, they had amazing programs for training their artists because they wanted you to do makeup their way, you know? So there was a lot of sales involved, but it was a lot of like hands-on education on how to do makeup. And that was it. I was never formally trained. Um, I just took that knowledge and what I learned to, like I said, to practice on friends and uh, ask opinions of, you know, artists that I respected uh, to tell them what I did wrong or what I could do differently. You know, I was willing to get my feelings hurt <laughs> um, just so I could get better, you know. Wow. And so now, wow. So now you're a makeup artist. Like, so you, yeah. you went from a teacher, you had to break yes. up, moved away. Right. <laughs> you worked at a salon. Now you went yep. to Nordstrom's. You got some training. You're right. practicing. You're a makeup artist. So how do we get to the point where we started our lipstick line? What made you want to decide to start your own lipstick line? So it was a customer. So a customer at Nordstrom says to me one day, and I love this lady. She was amazing. But she was getting on my nerves that day, Brandy, because she had me going to. <laughs> girl, she was working them nerves. She had me going to every lick, every counter. Dior, Chanel, you know, YSL, Estee Lauder, Mac, to try to find the perfect lipstick color for her for an event that she had. And finally, 50 lipsticks later, um, she said to me, I just wish there was a way to mix this Chanel color with this Dior color. And she said, that would be my perfect lipstick. And so as an artist, I said to myself, you know, when I do weddings, I take a little bit of this color on the back of my hand and this lipstick color and then i put a little bit of this other mac lipstick color and i mixed a, a color and i make a custom color for someone you know what is lipstick made of it's wax it's you know oils and pigment you know it can be melted so literally that was a that interaction with her was a light bulb moment for me because that night i went home i depotted some lipsticks that i had some old ones i ruined a little pot that i had and i melted these lipsticks 
and you know let it settle and I came up with a new custom color and so then that was kind of like the catalyst okay so now how do I do this as a business like I want to make custom lipstick for people and that was what made my lipstick um, line so unique um, because it was all custom it was all custom you literally could go on the website and you know show me or send or upload a picture of a color be it a lipstick or a color from nature or a dress that you had and then I would send you a tube of custom lipstick so that was pretty cool you know no one was really doing that uh, maybe a couple of brands were doing it but you know that that handmade aspect was was in, was different and I, I handmade all of the lipsticks in my studio so they were all hand poured on demand um, it was definitely a passion project and it was time consuming to be honest brandy you know so i to make a lot of money from it besides the issue of getting the word out there about that business it was also you know okay how do i expand you know i'm only one person you know i can't make lipsticks 24 hours a day you know nor do i want to now let me so, ask you this Aaliyah. Mm -hmm. do you mm -hmm. think it was too uh like because you did custom colors for your customers mm -hmm. Do you mm -hmm. think that it was like maybe a little bit too personal to the to to the individual customer to the point where it made it harder to expand and grow your business? Because if you're constantly having to make new colors for people mm -hmm. all the time, is mm -hmm. that sustainable is what I was trying to see. Right, right. So it is. I think that it would have taken a lot more of an investment to make it sustainable because there are brands that do it. Mm -hmm. So Finding Ferdinand is a brand that only does custom colors. Um, Bite, Bite Beauty, you can buy the colors, of course, at Sephora, but they have a custom color lab um, okay. in New York City where you can, you know, get the colors made. I think they have it Toronto, San Francisco, New York City. I don't think, Brandy, it was sustainable as an online business. Mm -hmm. I think as an online business, it never really made sense, even though Finding Ferdinand does theirs online. But they have an amazing tool um, that allows them to do it. Like they've created like an application, an app, basically, that allows them to mix those colors. So um, I would have needed to invest in something like that. And the price of it was thousands of dollars because I did look into doing something similar or have my business as a physical uh, custom lipstick lab or lounge here in the DC area and then start cloning those you know put one in Detroit put one in Los Angeles put one in Houston you know what I'm saying I think that business model would have been sustainable um, because you can charge such a premium I mean bite was charging $50 a lipstick you know I think now they're up to it's like $150 for two lipsticks you can charge such a premium because you're paying for the experience. She's coming to an actual location um, and she's, you know, interacting with me. So she's expecting to pay more than $25 for this because she's taken up my time and it's an experience. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think as an online business, not so much. Um, I would have needed to pivot to make it, you know, more of an in-person, more of a service than actually like an e-commerce product. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great idea because mm -hmm. I always think, even to this day, even though, you know, Fenty has 50 shades and all that, mm -hmm. even to this day, it's still not always easy to find mm -hmm. like, the right brown for me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. It's still hard. It's still really hard. Yeah, and, yeah definitely. Uh, 
Yeah. You know, so it's really, you know, difficult sometimes to find the right. And even like, I like an orangey base red, but yeah. very few, few companies make that exact orangey base. Right, right, right. Too, like a uh, blue base doesn't really do a whole lot for my neutral skin tone. Got but like it. a lot of us have a lot of different skin tones. And it's interesting with that. And still to this day, I, I would say even in 2020, it's still not that easy to always find the perfect color. So I love yeah. the concept. Yeah, it's not. So and I'll tell you, Brandy, that the, the, the party portion of my business was easier to market than the e-commerce portion. So in addition to having the online store where you could order this, these shades, um, I would do parties in this local area. So that always made me great money. It was a lot easier of a sell. Um, where let's say in your case, I'd come to your house, you might have six other girlfriends there and I take about 15 minutes with each of you, mix up a custom color, take that recipe back to my studio and then send you a full tube of that color a couple days after. So that, that formula, that was, was sustainable, you know, but I just, I think, um, I think I just lost the taste of doing it. Honestly, because there was so much money invested and so many not wins that I kind of endured with it. You know what I mean? So it just, it, it became tiring for me because I didn't come across marketing wise what I really should have been doing until I spent thousands of dollars doing the wrong thing. If that wow. makes sense. You know, um, so you actually discovered like the whole marketing and everything uh, through researching for your own business yes. and actually investing mm -hmm. a lot of money in your own business. Yes. So tell yes. us like, you know, some of the steps you took during that time when you were really trying to push your brand and some of the mistakes you made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. share that with us. So I think one of the biggest things that I did um, was uh, investing money that the business didn't have. So like, this is a double-edged sword to me, right? Because, you know, the business is not making any money when it first starts. And so you're told, and we know that this is true, that we have to invest money to make money, right? Mm -hmm. So we start dipping into our own money from our nine to five and our savings, and we open credit cards that we're paying ourselves. And I did that. I took loans, um, but I invested too much money that the business didn't have. It was my own money. You know, I think that the investment should have been made, but it should have been made in small increments. Um, find, invest some money, make some money, and then reinvest versus taking all these thousands of dollars on my own and then dumping it into one thing, you know, and then hoping that will make money. Um, I like that. I like that. Can you repeat that again? So you say you invested some money. Yes. Make some money and then invest. So that's an advice you would give. Invest again. Baby step it. You know, yeah, baby step it. You invested too much money initially. Too much. And it was coming out of your own pocket. Own and, pocket, and yeah. I, that, so a lot of people do that. I'm glad you're sharing this because sometimes that can almost make that business a burden, right? Because yes. now it's like it's costing you money. It's not making yes. you money. It's you tried yes. everything. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, one year, and I mean, I, you know, we talking, so I'll get you, get you real personal right now. So one year I did my taxes, Brandy, and after I had totaled everything that I had paid other people to do, and that was another thing. Let me just backtrack. I did not trust myself to do things for my business, for my own business. So instead of saying, listen, I don't know how to do PR, but I'm going to learn it and I'm going to try before I pay a PR person. You know, um, I would find the money to pay this person 
and then be disappointed with the results, let's say. You know, so I'm one year, I when I did my taxes, I realized I had spent, this number still bothers me, <laughs> almost $30,000 on a PR person um, wow. and on marketing help for my business. That was, the business did not make anywhere, not even a third of that. And so I was scraping together and putting on credit cards and using money from my nine to nine to five and taking from my savings account that money. If you had asked me before when the year started, if I could find an extra $30,000, I would have been like, no, of course not. Where am I going to get $30,000? But I did it and I didn't see the results from it, you know, and that is a problem. That's not the way to go about doing things, you know, because as you now spend this $30,000, now the pressure that it puts on me and it puts on the business to succeed, it's not a good energy around what I'm doing at that point. You know, like you said, it starts to feel like a burden. It starts to feel like a failure because I've spent so much money and I'm so pressed out for a win and a success, you know, because I want everything so fast and I want it a certain way versus taking the time to research, taking the time to try things myself before I hire a PR person. Let me try to take a class for $500 about doing my own PR. Let me try to send some, you know, PR emails out. It can't hurt before I get to the point where I've now said, oh no, I can't do this. I'm not a professional. Professional. I need to spend $1,500 a month on this. My business is not $1,500 a month worthy right now. It's not there yet. It will be, but it's not there yet. You know, and I see people mm-hmm. telling me things, you know, even clients now, things like, oh, I have a creative director and I have a social media manager. Can you afford that? Can your business afford that? Not you. You know, you might be able to sacrifice and, and afford that. But if you, it can't right now, then you need to do all those things. I absolutely agree with that because I think it's a it's a lot of money when your business isn't even making that much money. And there are definitely creative ways that you could go yes. about marketing and branding where you don't, yes. you may not need a PR person when, when you just started your business. Yes, you yes. Know, you, you don't need one then. That's the time oh. where you do your own marketing. That's the time where you do your own PR. Yes. Once your brand grows and right. it, it, it gets to a certain level, then now it's time to, if you want to expand it more and scale mm-hmm. it more, then you can hire PR. But yeah. that's something you do in the beginning. Right, right. But 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 the sad thing is that nobody tells us that, Brandy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like no one makes us, but no one helps us to understand that. You know, and you we think mistakenly that things like PR is the key to the kingdom. You know, once I land in this magazine, then my business will take off. And what I came to learn is that PR is not so much a marketing strategy. So getting landing in these magazines or being in these blogs those things give your business credibility, right? Because then I can repost on my my website for my business as seen in Essence Magazine or as seen here or as seen there. So that when you, Brandy, come to my site and you're wondering if you should trust me or if it's worth buying from me, you've got a little stamp of confirmation that you should because I've been seen in XYZ. However, what gets you to my site in the first place? It's not that. You see what I mean? So I think that we sometimes substitute thinking that PR is a traffic driver and it's really not. 
Because unless that person was on the website for Essence on their blog at that moment in time, how long does that article really live? How long does it really get traction and drive traffic for? You know, I may have appeared in a magazine. I was in a, a, a Washingtonian magazine. For the month that I was in Washingtonian, I saw a little bit of a bump in sales, but no one's reading that you know, issue of Washingtonian from six months ago now. You know what I'm saying? So, and they're not going to put me in their magazine every single month. So what is going to really attract people and attract traffic to my business? And what I learned from research is ads are, is what's going to do that. Facebook ads and Instagram ads, that's going to be the starting point of a sales funnel that takes traffic of people who have never heard of me and draws them into things like my website. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that, you know, learning that was huge. Unfortunately, it was a mental shift for me. I think I learned it a little too late in the process of my lipstick business, where once I learned it, I was so excited about it. I, I felt like my mission was not really to just use it for lipstick, but was to share it with other people. Because I don't want to see folks going through what I did and growing their brand, you know, and making the mistakes that I made. I feel like my bigger purpose now is to share what I learned versus use it to apply to my lipstick line to get rich. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I, I love that. What, I love that. You know, that's what I love I'm doing. That, you know, I want to uh, interject a little bit here. I actually um, feel this the exact same way. Like mm -hmm. I've been in the beauty industry, you know, as a makeup artist for 13 years. Mm -hmm. And a few years ago, I think in 2017, I realized that I had more to offer than just a makeup, you know, mm -hmm. to offering makeup services that I really wanted to help the beauty industry learn how to operate in business. Because yes. as I learned what it took to sustain a business, to grow a business, and you know just how to you know know your numbers and have mm -hmm. things in order i saw so many hairstylists makeup artists people in the beauty industry that i knew just didn't have that knowledge that they needed yes. to be successful in business and so right. i found it that it was you know my one of my my purpose was to help and empower them and to show yes. them how to expand their business and so mm -hmm. One of my passions and that's why I created the podcast even because I want to add value to the beauty community with business tools and yes my first passion is the beauty is the makeup but mm -hmm. my purpose is to empower women with the tools that they need in their businesses and so that's what I really enjoy to do so I love the fact that you you went through a lot of things you know becoming mm -hmm artist creating your own line and investing a lot and putting a lot into this brand but then you learned a lot along the way that that absolutely really, but you saw that it could solve a problem for other people absolutely and i love that absolutely. so let's talk about some of the services and some of the things that you're doing now this episode is sponsored by me i am brandy taylor of iambrandytaylor.com i am an activation coach Guys, I am always pushing people to take more action, to step outside of their comfort zone. I'm an activator and I want to help you get activated because I know that action is required. There were so many times in my life where I was too afraid to take action. So I did nothing. Nothing is a choice. Nothing plus nothing equals nothing. Nothing happens until you take action. You must do something to make a change in your life. 
movement is required. Do that hard thing, go for it, ask for it, go get it. I want to help you do just that. Check out my website at IamBrandyTaylor.com and book your free discovery call today. See you soon. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my company is called Ray of Light Digital. It's Ray, like my middle name, R-A-E. And I specialize in sales funnels. I specialize in email marketing and Facebook and Instagram ads. And all those things kind of really work hand in hand. You really shouldn't be doing one without the other, you know, and vice versa. Um, So the focus, what I'm focusing on now, just because, you know, because of what's going on in this country and really in the world, um, a lot of salons, spas, beautypreneurs, we can't work right now. You know, we're not able to. Um, And so what my, I've pivoted, you know, as you have pivoted, as all of us have, to really focus on what you can do at this time. And in my opinion, the two main things that you can do is be super active on social, um, your Instagram, your Facebook channels, Um, actually three main things. You can do in-home consultations, you know, virtual consults with your clients who still need you right now, big time. Um, You can do, uh, be really active on social and grow your audience there. And you can do email marketing. Um, And I think of the the three things that I mentioned, email is where um, I find beautypreneurs are weakest. You know, it's not something, it's, it's, it's dreaded, you know, no one feels like writing emails. We don't know what to say. You know, we don't know how often it's too often to email. You know, some of us have our list still in our booking platform. It hasn't been, you know, uh, inputted or uploaded into something like a MailChimp or whatever you're using for email marketing. So all those names, you've got them, hundreds of names, but they still currently live in your Square account, you know, or live in your Vagaro account or Style mm-hmm. C. You know, so step one would be getting them out of there because I'm not a fan of emailing from those platforms. They're just not email platforms. You know, they're great for scheduling. They're great for booking. But something like MailChimp uh, gives you all the capabilities you need to really send out amazingly beautiful email newsletters. You know, um, I think that those platforms that you use for scheduling are great for quick correspondence with your clients. Hey, I'm going to be closed from April 5th to the 15th, you know, or hey, here's a special that we have, but not for really nurturing them in a newsletter on a weekly basis. So, you know, that's step one, you know, getting those names out, getting them into MailChimp. That's my favorite. It's free, you know, um, up to a certain number. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's the best, you know, in my opinion. Um, And then figuring out what to say to people. You know, I think that there's this concept that emails are um, annoying, you know, and I love to debunk that. Um, first of all, we read emails like crazy. Average American reads, opens their email 10 times a day, you know, and reads emails 10 times a day. And right about now, it's probably like 20 because what else are we doing, you know? Um, right. You know what I want to tell you? I noticed. So yeah. I have different lists. Um, mm-hmm. And one of my lists, I think it's just like, did I send out to people who have attended the events that I do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that I had like, I went from uh, maybe like a 30% open rate to like mm-hmm. a 60% open yes. rate <laughs> during this time, you know? <laughs> yes, of course. What else is there to do, Brandy? You know, we, we're stuck in the house. Yes, you're going to see that jump. So this is, that's a hyper engaged audience right there. And do you know what is the, 
the inter- engagement rate on social media posts is like five to 10%. Five to 10% of the people that see your post are actually going to like it or do something or really interact with it. So even if, it, even if your, your open rate was 30%, which is a good one, I think the average now is like 22%. Even at even at thirty percent, you know that's three times more engagement that you get from an email than you do from an Instagram post. You know, and you it doesn't feel like that necessarily, and we wouldn't think that because everyone's on Instagram, and I got to make my feed look like this, and I got to reach the ten thousand followers and all that good stuff. But in reality, email is a super powerful tool. You know, super powerful tool. I think the numbers say that. For every dollar you spend and invest in email marketing, it's a $32 return on your investment. That's the average. Wow. So, yes. Um, So, and then you also have to think of it, you know, just logically. Why is Old Navy emailing me two times a day, every day, 365 days a year? They're not spending money on that, Brandy, because it doesn't work. It may not work on me right here, right now, but multiply it by the millions of email addresses they have, and it works. You know, that's why these brands are emailing you like crazy because they're finding some success with with it. You know, so first, I think the first hurdle is understanding that it's worth your time, you know, mentally getting out of this concept that, you know, it's annoying. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to bother my clients and realizing I have to get on this email. Like, this is how I'm going to stay connected. And this is how I'm going to really nurture those clients, you know. Um, and then once you do that, then it, it comes down to what to say, um, uh, which I help people with, you know, I've created a guide of 10 email templates, um, that you can download. It's inexpensive. It's less than $20 to get your hands on all 10 of those. Um, they're amazing because I really sat down and I thought about the different purposes of our emails and there's templates that meet every category. So if the purpose is to encourage her to book an appointment, be it uh, you know in person or virtual, use this type of email. And then there's a couple of options for that. If the purpose is to get her to buy some retail products, these are the types of emails that I, I want you to use. You know, if you just want to develop a connection with her, you know, every email that we send doesn't always have to be buy this, book this, do that. You know. Um, sometimes you just want your client to get to know you better so that she knows, likes, and trusts you even more. Um, because we only shop from folks that we know, like, and trust hands down. You know, if I don't know you, like you, or trust you, you're not getting my money. So, you know, in the long run, if your email can help her to know, like, and trust you more then you will get her as a client. So sometimes that's just the reason for your email. You know, I've got a template in there where I encourage you to send a selfie with your dog or with your baby or with your hubby or with whomever, you know, and say like, let me introduce you to my puppy. You know, I love him because, and this is what we were doing on this certain day. You know, let me tell me next time you book an appointment, I'll tell you more about it. You know, so it's, it's just talking to her in a very friend-like way that will help the emails to really be worth it. Because I think when we think of emails, we think of e-blasts, and I don't recommend sending those. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about emails that are written as if they're written to a friend, from a friend. Those are the ones that are worth your time. Those are the ones that will lead to more appointments booked or more retail sales. You yeah, know, I think and this is great. I think this is great mm-hmm. information, Aliyah, because I know a lot of times, you know, as you know, uh, beauty professionals. 
we're focused on our craft. We may be working mm -hmm. in the salon, doing hair. They're working on the nails. They're doing the, the lashes, the brows. Not even always have the time to kind of figure out, okay, yes. how to tailor this email or knowledgeable right. about the types of emails you should be sending and how often. So it's great that you created this pro, this packet with the mm -hmm. uh, templates that they can use. They can just pop it right in, edit it, yeah. and, you know, get it, keep it moving and go with their audience. Yes, totally. And I made them like Mad Libs. Remember Mad Libs where you just, when we were in school and they have a sentence and then there's a blank and they tell you, oh, fill this in with, yes. you know, uh -huh. your favorite color. Fill this in with your dog's name, you know? <laughs> so I actually made the templates like that. There's no, you know, you fill in the blanks with these, you know, because I had seen a lot of prompts, you know, people are offering for free or selling email prompts, you know, uh, kind of like, things to think about for your emails, but that's still a lot of work to me, Brandy. You know, it's still like, well, what should my tone be? How do I even get into starting this email? And so I took away all that, those questions, and they're literally like Mad Libs, fill in the blanks for your email marketing. There's 10 of them, um, and they're awesome. They make it a lot, very easy. And if you sent one a week, that's two and a half months worth, you know, of emails to send, and then you just start rotating. Give me new information, same type of template, switch up a word or two. She's not going to remember from two and a half months that it, you know, you sent a similar type email, especially if the content of it is, is fresh. You know, she's not going to be paying attention to the little words in between, you know. So you just go ahead and rotate and send it again. Start the, the process all over again. But that, I think this is the perfect time. Just like you said, we don't take that time to email our clients because we're so busy working in our business you know i've been hearing this a lot and i agree we're so busy working in our business that we don't take time to work on our business and doing something like um email marketing is a long game strategy you know there will be people that you send an email and they just book off the strength of that email but not everybody the majority of people you keep talking to them and nurturing them and at the very least you know if a friend says you know and this has happened to me before with other things I just get this email from you, Brandy, the makeup artist, right? And it's, you're talking about something about a special or whatever it may be. Then one of my girlfriends says, oh, you know, um, I, I need a new makeup artist. It pops in my head, excuse me, it pops in my head that you just sent me this email. So I was like, oh, you know what, Brandy, I got this artist that just emailed me. Let me just forward it to you. You see what I mean? You remain top of mind with her. And so she's more likely to refer you. You know, she's more likely to talk about you to other people because you stayed in front of her. And that's what all this is about. Right now, we can't, you know, touch people's faces. We can't do people's hair. We can't do their lashes and brows and nails. We need to stay in front of our audience, our current and future clients, so that when this all is lifted, we are the first people that they think of for those um, needs. You know, and so email marketing allows you to stay in front of people. Your, you know, all the social posts that you're doing, it allows you to stay in front of people. And that's why it's just so important right now. Right. I absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. Absolutely yeah. agree. So I think it's great. So they, the, the email marketing and then mm -hmm. the Facebook ads are good. Can you talk a little bit about uh, Facebook advertising? Yeah, sure. So there's three different types of Facebook ads. and Two out of the three types, honestly, to jump right into can be a little bit hard. 
you know, I do management for those types. Um, those are the sales ads and those are the lead, lead generation ads. They kind of go hand in hand with either a sales funnel or a lead gen funnel. And lead gen basically means um, collecting email addresses. What are you doing to get people that don't know you uh, onto your email list so that you can cultivate them? However, those are the two a little bit more challenging ones to put together. Not hard, but they take a little more time. However, nurture ads are pretty much the easiest types of ads to run, and they're really, really um, successful, even though they're super easy. And those are the ads that take the content that you're already making and that amplify it. So, for example, when I do videos, if you look on my IG, I don't have a whole heck of a lot of followers. I think I might be up to 200, which is I'm excited about, right? <laughs> but I don't have a lot. I don't even have 300 people on my, my followers. When I do a video, I turn that video that I posted on Instagram into a nurture ad. And even though organically, maybe 50 people will see my video, I'm able to get 6,000, 8,000, 4,000 people to see that same video because I take that video and I put $10, $15 behind it and I run it as an ad. And so I call nurture ads the microphone type ads they don't replace the need for you to put really good content out there, but they just make it so that a lot more people will see all the hard work and the good content that you're doing. Um, and these are not, when I'm talking about Facebook ads, Brandy, I do want to clarify something. Everybody says, not everybody, a lot of people, clients will say to me, Oh, I tried those and they didn't work. You mm -hmm. make a post and there's a button that says, do you want to boost this post? Do you want to promote this post? Right? You've seen that before? Yes. Um, right. Those are Facebook ads, but they're not the ones that I'm talking about. So those are like the starter ads or the beginner ads. Um, I compare those to like if you're getting your hair done and I walk into the salon and tell you I want color. You know, I can get a rinse or I can get a semi-permanent, you know, that takes my brown hair. And when I go out in the light, it looks a little bit red, you know, if I turn my head a certain way, mm. you know. Um, those are that, that's that level. Or I can sit in your chair for three, four hours and you can lift the, the brown off my hair and, you know, I go blonde and then you deposit a different color and you do highlights. And then when I leave out, I'm really a redhead, you know, right. that those are the full on Facebook ads that I'm talking about. You know, you will get some results from that rinse or that semi-permanent dye, but it ain't nothing like, you know, really getting your hair dyed. And so that's the difference. So the promoted posts and the boosted posts, you get a little bump, you know, a couple more people will see what you're doing. But when you actually go on a desktop, I don't even do this on my phone, even though there's an app, I use a desktop because it's serious. And you open up something called Facebook ads manager mm -hmm. and you set up ads campaigns. Yep. On the back end, that's when you can get those, you know, red hair dye jobs job level results you know right, that, those are the ads that, that i'm able to go ahead yeah yeah well you just boost your post right mm -hmm. you just boosted like a random post that you put you just hit boost and they you don't even know how to tailor it but when yeah. i'm actually promoting an ad and i go in to the ads manager 
mm-hmm. I can say I want to target women from the age of 35 to 40 that yeah. live in this area that yeah. are interested in beauty and makeup and whatever else, right? And yeah. I could really narrow it down. And this is going to really help my ads to perform better. But you just boosting something randomly. A yeah. lot of times I've seen a lot of people do that. Where have you have you seen where maybe it's somebody from Detroit, but mm-hmm you're where you're located at and mm-hmm. it's like why am i in dc seeing a detroit event coming mm-hmm. up i'm mm-hmm. not going to that event they right. probably just boosted the post and it's it, yeah. is, it is um tailored to boost the whole united states right only, you know really trying to target their local area so right right so, so that's when you need somebody to help you kind of figure out how to strategically uh, advertise and how to have a plan behind it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Then really, you know understand what you're doing because I think absolutely is a lot of times people say oh I boosted it it didn't work but yes yeah, it boosts you didn't really set it up right you didn't really right right and listen Facebook ads are ridiculously powerful you ever been on I could go on Nordstrom site right now look at a pair of shoes and an hour later open up my Instagram and those same shoes mm-hmm. are now on my targeting TV. Yeah, retargeting, you know, all day. Like big businesses, when you want to look at the value of something, I always look and see what the big guys are doing. They're not spending money on ads because they don't work. They're spending money on ads because they're extremely powerful. And the, the coolest thing about Facebook ads to me is that it's a level playing field, okay? And what I mean is that if Nordstrom spends $50 on an ad campaign and I spend $50 on an ad campaign just because, uh, let me take that back. If I spend $10 on ads and Nordstrom spends 500, it doesn't mean that the money that they spent is going to be, is going to make their ads perform better. The player, the playing field is very level because Facebook rewards good ads more than they reward money spent. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Nordstrom could put out an ad or a graphic or a picture or a video and it's goofy looking and nobody does anything with it. You just scroll past it. And I could put out something that's phenomenal and Facebook will show minds to more people than they did the Nordstrom ad. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's not a it's not a money's game. It's not a dollar game. It's a quality of your ads and a quality of the content that you're promoting. But that to me is really cool because that means as a small business owner, I don't have to look at it like, oh, to compete, I got to spend $300 a day on my ads. doesn't mean that. You can spend $5 a day. You can spend $10 a day. If it's targeted to the right audience and if it's very relevant, meaning that audience loves what you're putting out there, then it will get amazing results no matter how much you spend. Does that make sense, Randy? Yeah, that's, definitely. That's so cool to me. That's so cool that I got so excited when I realized that because it's like it, it, it really evens the playing field and it makes you feel like you have a chance because you do to really get your content out there to a lot of people and to make money off of it. Honestly, when I think about it, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I have no regrets. Whatever I did, you know, mistakes or wins that I had, you know, or things that I didn't do right with my lipstick business brought me to here right so i have no regrets for any of that but if i could do anything differently if i had spent thirty thousand dollars on advertising facebook ads for my lipstick line i would have multiple you know locations where i would be selling it right now you know that same money that i spent for this pr could have been spent on ads with completely different results 
you know, so it's, it's such a wonderful um, investment, you know, for whatever you have. If it's a hundred bucks, it's a wonderful return on your investment and you can chart it. So when you open up Facebook ads manager, you can actually see what's being successful and what's not. You know, a lot of time with people like you pay a branding person or you pay a PR person or you pay a whatever person, you don't know what is the return on investment. I don't know if I got a sale today because I paid you money, you know, to advertise me or what. I don't know why I got that sale, you know, or why my numbers are the way they are. But with Facebook ads, they literally show you what is the cost per result. You know, it costs 68 cents. For you to get this one email address it costs you know a dollar fifteen for you to sell this product that was a hundred dollars you know or it costs ten dollars for you to sell a hundred dollar product I mean ten dollars you tell me I spend ten dollars and make ninety I'll spend it all day you know that's worth right. it you know it, that's worth it so it, it allows you the analytics and the reporting really stops you from wasting money on something you know, it stops you from just kind of putting it out there and hoping that it sticks because on a daily basis, you can see exactly where your money is going, you know, and you can stop it. So let's say that I have a $10 product, but it costs me five bucks to get somebody to buy that product. This is a little too high for me. You know, I need to do something different. Let me not keep spending $10 on this ad. And let me go back to the drawing board and try a different ad or a different audience. You know, I don't spend months wasting money and not knowing where that money is going. So it's, it, once I discovered that, honestly, Brandy, I got so excited and I was like, everybody needs to know this. And that's why I kind of am where I am now, you know, and I'm okay with, you know, I've shut down my lipstick company, you know, I'm not in business anymore. And that was hard at first you know making that decision to walk away from it because i worked so hard on it i spent so much on it but you know i had to really think about what is my purpose why am i here what is my gift and i don't think that custom lipstick is my gift i think that my gift is helping other small business owners just like you said just like you feel to be successful like that brings me more joy than selling lipstick online ever did or ever will you know mm -hmm. um so that's why i'm here Right. And I think you're going in the right direction. It's clear that you're thank very you. passionate about it. And oh, thank you. Uh, I can just tell the way you talk about it that you're very passionate about it. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that you actually really, we didn't really talk about it, but you said mm -hmm. that the beauty industry is your niche. And mm -hmm. what may, I know you, you worked in the industry, but mm -hmm. when you decided that you were going to teach this, you could have just taught it to entrepreneurs, right? You could have just said, right. Email entrepreneurs how to do their uh, marketing and their email mm -hmm. marketing, digital branding and all that. But you decided to focus on the beauty industry. Can you tell us why? Yeah. So my a mentor, I have a mentor who is, you know, runs a multi-million dollar Facebook ads business. And one of her major call outs when I started working with her and taking her class and education was to pick a, pick a niche. You know, you can't do this successfully, successfully for everybody. You just can't, you know, um, when you pick a niche, when you choose something, you learn to run ads in a really successful way for, for that niche, you know, and it, it, it takes more out of you to try to then pivot and change. You know, today I'm running ads for a yoga studio tomorrow. It's a hair salon. You know, the next day it's a hardware company. It, it becomes more exhausting when you have to kind of, you know, adapt for all those types of businesses. And then the reason I picked beauty, I mean, 
honestly, I have friends that I wanted to help, Brandy. <laughs> you know, I have, you know, such a network of friends. And that's where I practiced before I even launched the business. I reached out to my friend who is a celebrity makeup artist and another friend who is an amazing hairstylist and a friend that owns a, a spa. And I said, listen, I'm learning this. I'm doing this. I'm going to help you for free for two months. Whatever you want from me with regards to digital marketing, you got it. Because I need the practice. You know, you need the help. And, you know, it's not going to cost you anything. It's going to benefit both of us. And so the concept of being able to help my friends um, was really what made me go in that direction. And I did help them so much. You know, I did see, like, the success and what I was doing. And they saw the success. And now they are my clients. Because when the two months was up, I said, all right, I'm in business now, you know. Um, if you want to still work, keep working together like this, you know, I'm going to give you a good price, but this is what it costs. And none of all of them said, okay, let's pay it. Let's go. You know, because I was able to really help them, which was an added bonus, but the desire to really help the people in my circle, um, the connections that I already have was really the, the biggest push for me to choose the beauty industry, you know, cause I've been doing this in this area for so long. I know a lot of people and the majority of my clients right now, like my retainer clients are people that I know or that a friend knows that's in the business, you know, because I had those connections. So it kind of made sense. Um, yeah, that's why I kind of went that route to be honest. Awesome. Awesome. And, mm -hmm. it, and, it, and it definitely makes sense that when you really thought about why you should, because I was talking to a, a young lady who's an accountant and she decided mm -hmm. to, she's, and she also is an esthetician as well. And she has a spa and she decided to Got it. only help beauty professionals because her husband's a barber and she was helping him. And Smart. she was like, it was easier than to jump from helping, you know, maybe someone with a, like you said, a lawn care service or maybe yep. with, mm -hmm. you know, a law firm or something else. And then working with a beauty, she, she said, it just made it easier to really tailor her offering. Yes. Um, narrowing it down to the beauty industry and so she's the yes. beauty accountant and so sometimes yeah. i think you know it is great to kind of narrow it down because mm -hmm. um sometimes sometimes people find that when they narrow the narrow down their services that they can actually make even more money than trying you to can everyone you can because you become memorable too just like just in your conversation just a couple sentences ago you said so now she's the beauty accountant you see if you told me i'll remember that if you just told me you had a friend that was a, was an accountant, I just not going to stick in my brain, you know, but now that she's branded herself as a beauty accountant, now I know who to go to or who to refer my beauty clients to. You know, if I introduce myself or if I tell a family member that I run Facebook ads for beauty professionals and then my aunt meets a new beauty salon owner, she's going to say, oh, my niece, she runs Facebook ads for beauty professionals. But just saying that I run Facebook ads is not going to stick in her brain the way, you know, me being specific about who I market it to. You know what I'm saying? It, it helps you with referral aspects as well because people remember it more. And they're more likely to refer because it's so specific. Yeah. Same thing with this podcast. It's for beauty mm -hmm. professionals. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. It's not yeah. just a podcast about business ownership. And how many of those? You know, there's so yeah. many. It's yeah. Awesome. It stands out because you know who your audience is. And then you can tailor what you do to that audience. You know, you can speak to them in your email marketing and in your advertising in a way that they know that you're just talking to them.
And that's something that I make my clients do when we create things like sales funnels. You know, I have clients that are working on creating courses, especially at this time, they realize that they need other streams of income. And so they want to now create a virtual course or an in-person course about, you know, how to become a successful brow artist or how to transition from, you know, behind the chair to owning your own salon. They're getting, but I make them pick a niche, you know, it's not just going to be uh, how to be successful in the beauty business. We need an angle. We need something that you can really attract just a certain type of person. And that doesn't, like you said, it doesn't, Getting more narrow is like, narrow is a negative word for it. I think it's more like laser focused because narrow sounds like, oh, you're a narrow audience. You can't really reach all those people, you know, but the millions of people in this country, come on. You know what I mean? Like I could have run ads for funeral homes. That could, <laughs> I could have, honestly, mm -hmm. I could have run ads for companies that, you know, have soccer camps for kids. The niche didn't matter. It was just the, the, the need to pick one. You know, there's thousands of those types of clients out there. I can find those clients and I can be the funeral home ad girl, you know, and make thousands and, you know, of money doing that. You know, it's just about choosing something and being really good at it, you know, and being the authority in that sphere. Yeah. And I think it's great, too, because you've been in the beauty industry, so you understand mm -hmm. You understand what it's like to be in the beauty industry so you can relate to them and you get them. And a lot of times, you know, everyone doesn't understand our industry. They don't get it. So being that you get what it's, what it's like to be in a salon, you get what it's like to do, mm -hmm. you get what it's like to have to try to run your beauty business. You had a, you've had a product line. So mm -hmm. you understand what it takes and what it's yeah. like. And so you can relate to that client better. You can speak to that client's issues better. And they can feel like you really, you can really help them and you really understand them because you have that experience. A hundred percent. Yep. You got it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Aaliyah, it's been absolutely great talking to you. Tell everybody how they can reach you online. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Randy. I've enjoyed it too. So if you want to reach out to me online, go to www.rayoflightdigital.com. So it's R-A-E of lightdigital.com. Uh, my Instagram is exactly the same at Ray of Light Digital. Um, Facebook, all that good stuff is there. You know, I'm very active on both platforms, honestly. Um, and right now, I am really trying to get my email guide, my email templates in the hands of as many people as possible because I really think my beautypreneur fam can benefit from those. So if you go to my website, there's a link to purchase those. They're only $17 for all 10 templates. Um, if you go to my Instagram and you click the link in bio, there's a link that takes you there. Um, yeah. You need them. They're awesome. <laughs> and you'll really find a lot of uh, benefit from them. So, uh, but follow me on, on Instagram so that you can see I'm always putting out videos. Um, I know you didn't see my face now, but you can see my little curly hair um, on a video <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> I try to glam up a little bit for those videos so you guys get the best of me. But um, yeah, videos about just email marketing. I'm always a DM away. So if you have a question and you want to DM me it or put it in the uh, comments of a post, like I'm here. I want to be a resource um, to all my beauty boss family. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I'll leave all of your links in the show notes as well. So okay. can you leave us with something? A lot of people, a lot of people, especially in the beauty industry, 
is mm -hmm. uh, going through right now. So what would you, uh, you know, what would you like to say to a beauty professional that's um, going through in their business and they don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work? Like what word of encouragement would, would you give them? Yeah, I feel like um, something that's been like encouraging to me, you know, because um, of course I'm in this industry with everyone, you know, um, has just been realizing that this this time that we have right now, you know, there's a phrase that says the comeback is can be even better than the setback. You know, we've been hearing that a lot, all these quotes. But that's really true. You know, I don't know when else and for all my beautypreneur family, when else you would have gotten the time to sit still and work on your business and to think about what is the long term goal. You know, if you're standing and, you know, doing painting faces or doing hair, you know, there's going to come a point in your career where you either can't anymore or don't want to anymore. So then what happens? And you can't, you know, you don't want to wait until those years pass and you're faced with that, um, you know, that you want to retire, you want to get out the business, that type of business hands on, then, then you're trying to scramble and figure out what's next. How do you make money, you know, without showing up every day, you know? So I think that just realizing that in some ways, as scary as this time is, and I'm not trying to minimize that by any means, you know, as frightening, terrifying, as rough as this time is, it's also a blessing that the universe has given us, in my opinion, that we would have never had but for something as, as outrageous as this, you know, taking place. And so we can either sit and be sad and depressed, and we might have those moments as well, but after we come out of those moments, you know, it's about working on our business and figuring out what is really next, you know, and figuring out what is the big goal. You know, what do you really want? Now is your time to craft that, to create it, and to take a, a step closer to your dreams. Really, you know, I mean, it may sound cliche, but now is that time to create the, the video training that you want to sell or the e-guide that you want to put out or whatever it may be, whatever direction that you wanted to take that you never felt you had the time to sit and plan and work on. You ain't got number time now, you know, so let's take advantage of this. And I believe we're, a lot of us is going to come out, you know, if we put it in our mind, you know, I'm huge on mindset. Um, but if we have it in our mind that we are going to take advantage of it, this time when we look back on it will be really life-changing you know, for our businesses. It can be if, if you're committed to that. And so it can, it's, in that sense, it's a blessing. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Aaliyah. Thank I appreciate you. your insight. It was absolutely great talking to you. This was a Aaliyah Ray, everybody. Make sure you connect with her. All of her information will be in the show notes. And that's all we have for you today. And as always, stay great. And we are out. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Business Beauty Network podcast. Please subscribe and support our podcast. Please share it. Share it with your friends and family. Also connect with us. We want to hear from you. Leave us comments. Let us know what you're enjoying about the podcast. Also email us at bbnetworkpodcast at gmail.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Taylor and at Exquisite Looks. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Exquisite Looks. And you can check out my website at ExquisiteLooks.com. I really hope to hear from you and connect with you soon. Remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great. <laughs>